rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is 7.10 a.m. And you are listening to Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And it's Thursday, y'all. Good morning. It's the first of the month. Uh, So we've got some news for you guys. As you guys know already, we are doing live news every Monday through Friday on Facebook. So we're getting ready for that, doing it early. This is early for you because you're watching a video right after this. Our Facebook lives tend to go pretty long. So that's the reason why like this happens here and not other places just for you. All right. So first Fridays are coming back, as we know, and that's happening this weekend once again. McCarty Mills and the uh, Aurora Public Library and Cottonseed have great events happening. Cottonseed from 6 to 8.30 p.m., a pigment of your imagination, pop-up art shop and meet and greet with Madi Delval and Thelo Halo. Aurora Public Library has Dave Ramont, live music and in-person performance of favorites and originals. And Perry Slade, featured artist and photographer, artist conversion of found communications within the environment. That's from 6 to 8 p.m. From 5 to 10 p.m. at McCarty Mills, 140 South River Street, Suite 108. There's Art by Devin, an original art and pop-up shop. That's brought to us by Viso Arts. Shout out to Viso Arts, Devin, and McCarty Mills. All right. So more and more cool stuff is going on here in our fantastic city. Don't forget that today at 6.30 p.m. is Spring Break Bingo. Uh, join the Royal Public Library for an... Four children of all ages gathering of bingo on Zoom. Uh, the meeting details and DIY bingo cards and information will be sent via email. Registration is required for that. And tomorrow there is cuteness overload. That's at 10.30 a.m. Uh, that's the Aurora Public Library. So shouts out for all that they do. Lots more cool stuff is happening on Saturday. We've got the Treats for Sweets drive through MLK Park, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Brought to us by Community Advocacy Awareness Network, CAN Network, C-A-A-N, and Not Forgotten Ministries, 309 Fifth Street in Aurora. Shouts go out. Shouts also go out to all the uh, local businesses. If you guys noticed, yesterday we did uh, a great interview with Maria, Maria Bonita Modeling Agency and uh, with... Carolina Ocampo. It was a great episode, really good, and uh, please check it out. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and we've got a whole lot more good stuff coming. Reach out to the show. Send us an email, goodmorningauroraIL at gmail.com, or give us a call and leave us a voicemail, 331-256-7782. We will read or listen to voicemails live on the air, so it could be you. Anyway, you guys have a great rest of this day, and we're going to get ready to do live news here on Facebook every morning, Monday through Friday, starting at 8 a.m., and we got another great interview coming up after the sound of my voice. And that is the news. All right. All right. Good morning. Morning. Great to see you. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you found the place. Yes. It's it's hard to find, but once you know where it is, the you will never shot forget. Was super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. 
Yep. Um, for our listeners and our viewers, let us know who you are. Okay. My name is Victoria Hyla Maldonado. Um, I'm also published under Victoria J. Hyla. Um, I'm an author and an editor and a mom and a local person. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And uh, where were you born and raised? I was uh, well born in Chicago Heights. Um, I was raised in Lake Zurich, Illinois. And then I moved down to this area, God, in the early 2000s. Um, and basically, I've, I've lived in this area since 2003, except for a brief, uh, you know, bad choice of Texas for two years. But other than that, I've lived in this area since then. So, um, so what's what similarities between, or are there any similarities between the Lake Zurich story and Aurora? Lake Zurich is a tiny, kind of, I would say, bedroom community. Okay. Aurora is a bustling metropolis, and it's it's really neat to have been seeing Aurora get... Um, I don't know, enhanced over the last couple of years with all new businesses coming in. Um, but yeah, Lake Zurich is, is more sleepy and a little less uh, metropolitan, I guess. Right, yeah. yeah. It kind of sounds like that in the name, too. Lake Zurich. Well, the, the lake in the town is named after the, a similar lake in Switzerland, in Zurich, Switzerland. Oh. And it's, it's basically, and, and Al Capone had like a summer house in the area, something like that. Mm, famous if you know Claimed about it. Very cool. All right. And uh, so you've been here since the 2000s. Mm -hmm. What are a few of the uh, changes that you've seen here in the Aurora area since then? I just, I love the vibrance. Um, there's more av av um, availability for families to come down into the city. There's more events. There's more fun restaurants that are coming in. I mean, like, Gillerson's is fantastic. Like, just there's so many uh, places. And I know a couple of days ago you were mentioning McCarty Mills. We're big fans of that, too. But, yeah, but it's just nice to see the energy being um, brought back into the city. It makes us just want to come down here. First Fridays is fantastic. Right. We've come to that several times, all the different shows, the, you know, the one on the river, river edge, is that what it is? Yeah. The pavilion, that's fantastic. So yeah, I just, I love um, having seen that. I mean, I love, lived in North Aurora, Aurora, you know, Montgomery, so I've lived kind of all over the river, and it's just been nice to see, see how it's, how it's changing yeah. and growing. So before COVID, it's safe to say that you were out and about, you were really <laughs> taking part in the community. Absolutely. Good. You meet, I mean, you meet folks sometimes who are Aurorans, and they live maybe by the Fox Valley Mall or something like that. They live kind of more on the outskirts, yeah. and they rarely venture in. Oh, I've always lived by the river. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. Growing up, what impact did your dad have in your life? Um, he was just, he was very smart, and um, he's an engineer, a chemical engineer. I clearly didn't go that route, but um, he always uh, promoted education and just... Um, gave me an example of how men can be emotional and sensitive and gentle and that wasn't a big deal and it wasn't a problem. Um, so I had a really good role model as, as when I was growing up in that way. Right. So yeah, he was always there. Um, of course, my mom made all the rules, but <laughs> he was there as a loving, guiding hand yeah. and, and that kind of thing. And it, he was the one I could go to and talk about big topics, like, I mean, from science to music. He's a big classical pianist. Um, and a chemical engineer and a coin enthusiast. So he always had hobbies and interests and things I could talk to him about on an educated level. So it was fun. What's your dad's name? Patrick. Patrick. Mm -hmm. Patrick, the chemical engineer, pianist, and coin collector. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting childhood you had, I can yeah. tell. Um, oh, and Michigan, University of Michigan, like, insane fan. So. Okay. Shout out to the University of Michigan. Go um, So now... So now, Victoria growing up, okay, uh, and, and we'll get into your history with writing and things like that, but Victoria growing up, did you want to be a writer? 
How did that start? How did your passion begin? Yeah, I've pretty much always wanted to be a writer. Um, the first absolute memory I have of writing was when I was nine. Um, we had a project for my reading class to write a book. They gave us these tiny white blank books um, and then the teacher's like write a story. I'm like okay. Right. I mean there were, rules, <laughs> there were rules to go along with but I was obsessed with the Wizard of Oz um, universe because there's more than just the movie that people know. There's a whole litany of just um, stories and stories that take place in Oz. And so I chose to do a kind of a fan fiction. Mm -hmm. um, so um, my book had a unicorn on it. So I'm like, oh, a unicorn goes to Oz and has a home. So, um, so yeah, that was my first book at nine. And that A+, which I will say, <laughs> um, inspired me that, hey, this is what I want to do. And this is who I want to be. And I kept writing over the years and wrote lots of poetry, lots of, you know, half-baked romances when I was in middle school. And then, yeah, I got my real writing start in high school. So it's pretty cool. I just always wanted to do it. Are writers, are great writers born or are they made? I don't know. Um, for me, I just, I feel it, I live it, I think it, I do it. Um, so for me, it's kind of an innate thing. But writers can be trained. Um, but the writers that write just to produce something and just to publish something that people are going to want to read... I don't know. I mean, you can make writers like that, but I don't feel like that. Um, I write what I want to write, what I want to read, what I want to put out in the world, and hopefully it resonates with other people. Hmm. So. Um, now, what's the beginning of being a, free, a freelance writer and an editor? Well, um, I spent better part of the last 20 years doing editing for other places and um, companies. I was also a teacher. Um, I taught English, and English as a second language, and French. Hmm up in Elgin, mostly, um, and but then I went into editing um, for all kinds of things, um, architecture magazines, interior design, education, um, meeting and event planning, you name it, I've edited for everything, um, but then I just, um, you know, COVID strikes, you know, how everybody has seen it, um, and so I'm like, well, let me try to, to make the writing thing a full-time gig, but I do, I still do freelance editing. I'm editing a book that's originated in Romania right now. It was translated into English and I'm editing the translation, um, but I've done several of those. I mean, it just, I'm going to be editing a really cool series coming out of Canada pretty soon. Um, it's a young adult fantasy series um, that is just super cool. It's set in Pakistan and it's about the jinn, but it's also young adult fantasy, so it's really cool. The gen for those who are oh, unfamiliar are spirits. They're genies. They're, yeah. they're essentially genies, but not the genies that we know from Aladdin. Right. Yeah, but it's actually something that's, I, I believe, and the writer was telling me that it's in the Quran, and it's actually a, a mm -hmm. entity that you're legitimately supposed oh, yeah. to... Oh, yeah, J-I-N-N. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's just, her concept is, is over the moon. I'm excited about it. Man, this is a good conversation, because now I'm thinking about all the novels like um, Arabian Nights that mm -hmm. features yep. the jinn. Or has a lot of references to the gen in many of the different stories. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so when being in, when editing and all the editing you doing, you've been doing, um, is there a basic step, or are there any guidelines, best practices to editing? Is there a you must do this when editing? <laughs> you must look at every detail. Um, I'm I'm a crazy detail person, but I can do it quickly as well. Um, for me, if it doesn't sound right in my head, it's not right on the page. So, um, and I, you can learn grammar and grammatical rules, and over the years in school I've obviously learned all that stuff, 
but um, with with editing, with really good editors, you feel it, you live it, you breathe it, you decide what commas you like. <laughs> I mean, there's a big fight about the Oxford comma, and I've gone on both sides of that fence at different points in my life, but um, yeah, it's, it's about the nitty-gritty. It's looking at the details that the majority of the population don't think, um, don't think about and don't necessarily think are important, um, but they are. Because um, communication is all in about how it's presented. And it's about word choice and it's about um, just punctuation and structure and parallelism and all the jargon I could toss at you. <laughs> um, you know, I've, one of the things that bothers me it's like poor grammar and punctuation. Am I crazy? Is something wrong with me? No. Okay. It's good that you care. Okay. <laughs> I love you because you care. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I see stuff, you know, memes or other things, and you want to share it, but no. Yeah. No, I it, can't it, let yeah. people think that I... Yeah, no, I'll, I'll love a meme. <laughs> I will absolutely just resonate with a meme, but then I'm like, oh, it's Y-O-U-R and not Y-O-apostrophe-R. I'm like, mm -hmm. mm, no, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, who spells school with one O, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's stuff that, like, very few people actually care about, but it's important to care because we lose our language if we stop caring about those um, intricacies. Certainly. Yeah. Um, so now you were a high school English teacher, mm -hmm. and that was an Elgin. Um, Gurney and then Elgin, yeah. Oh, Gurney. Mm -hmm. Oh. Very briefly. Yeah. I'm a Navy guy. That was way up the, there yeah, that was yeah. our, oh, shout out. Um, what was it like being a high school teacher? Um, I English really teacher. love the kids and I love the process of bringing literature and grammar and everything to them. The red tape and the politics of schools, no fun. I bet. Um, but yeah, I, I, and all the work, my God, teachers are so under, under appreciated and underpaid and just. I could go on for hours about that, but um, but I actually made more as a teacher than I did as an editor. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but I mean, teachers are, are real important, and it, I mean, it's very exciting. I also directed theater productions when I was in the schools, um, which was that was that was so rewarding. Um, and yeah, I mean, English everybody needs it, so nobody wants to be there. Some of those things. Mm. So you have to get those kids hooked in a different way, whether it's picking a different book or picking a different project. You know, and it's for me, it was always about multiple intelligences because not every kid is going to love the words, but some kids are artists, some kids are musicians, some kids are want to be a movie director, and so you figure out a way to do book reports that aren't book reports. Right, and that was my favorite thing. My, my favorite project was one that I created with that. So, the only yeah. thing I expelled in was or uh, expelled, excelled in was uh. <laughs> book reports my that was my thing like oh book report make it look good yeah and i'd put like the three ring binder boom Ooh, very snazzy hell yeah <laughs> all right and then you were an english as a second language mm -hmm. learner teacher that was the elgin days that was correct elgin, yeah okay mm -hmm. um now what was that like that was really awesome um because i'm not hispanic i mean i i'm i'm married to someone who's from mexico but um, I'm not myself Hispanic, so when I first got into those classrooms, I first day I'd be like, kids, you can ask me anything. And they would be like, miss, where are you from? I'm like, here? Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 where are you from? Because all the other teachers were Latina or Latino of, of some origin. Right. Um, and I'd be like, no, I'm from here. They're like, no, no, like, what country? I'm like, here. It's like, and then the next question would be, why do you care? Why are you, like, why are you teaching us? And I'm like because you deserve an education and I, I want to help and I love Spanish. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, I mean, and I, I studied abroad in Mexico too, so I do have 
um, the Spanish knowledge, but I mean, I, I treated them like any other kids. I just was able, I was there for more support, I guess. What does America mean to you? It's home, um, it's opportunity, it has potential. Um, and it's, it's about freedom and it, and it should be freedom for everybody, I think. And it should be respect for everybody. Right. So, yeah. All right. Tell me about the Hearts Drawn Wild trilogy. Yeah. So that's my, uh, my big romance trilogy here. Mm -hmm. Um, it's three books. Um, and I started the first one when I was 15 years old. Um, I didn't publish it until I was 31, but... Um, a, a crush I had in high school, he literally slid up next to me in gym class, and he's like, write a book about me. I'm like... Bet. I'm like, um, <laughs> well, give me a character. And he's like, okay. So he gave me this two-page character sketch of the character that's Matt Brennan in the book. And from there, I, I wrote a 50-page novella that made him cry, which was hilarious, because he's like a big cowboy dude. Um, and then I just sat on it, and it grew with me over time. And I finally published it at 31 because I'm like, I just need to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the book grew with me over time and grew and developed and changed. Um, and then the second one just flew out after that because it was a continuation of the story. Um, and then the, the last one I waited on for six or seven years because I had to grow and change the person. And that one is quite different. What do you mean grow and change the person? Um, I went through a huge transition around, let's see, 2008 to 2000. 13, um, I basically lost myself and everything that I was because I went to rock bottom. But then I came back to the best parts of myself through faith. Um, and so I had to be crushed down to come back up in that sense. Um, so the third one has a has a little bit of faith elements to it, but it's still hardcore romance. I mean, mm -hmm. like you're going to get some fun out of it. Um, and it's a good story. Um, but yeah, it follows these two women, Brianna and, and Elise, and just their loss in life, their struggles in life, and then their loves in life. Um, and I mean, like, mine are not a feel-good romance. I mean, it's not, you don't go in there for warm fluffies. Um, and if women who read these kinds of books, um, and, but I've had men who've read the books, and every guy who's read the books, they're just, they're like, that was great. So I don't know. Um... But yeah, but it's more of a substantive, let's go into the emotional turmoil of these characters and see how they work their way out of it. Hmm, so. I see, I see. Yeah. All right, now, the evidence I have lived. Yeah, that's this one. Uh-huh. It's not my book, necessarily. It's written by this woman, um, Lisa Gullo. Well, she wrote all the poetry. Um, but she passed from suicide in 2018 after a multi-year struggle with it. Um, she had hemoplegic migraines, which gave her seizures, um, and she was abused, sexually abused as a child, and she had depression and isolation, anxiety, and that kind of stuff. She wrote it all down in a journal of poetry that she never showed to anyone. Um, she might have showed maybe five to six to you know, maybe ten poems to someone ever. Um, and then she finally passed from suicide in um, December 2018, and at her memorial service, because I knew she wrote poetry, um, but I asked her husband, I'm like, you know, when, when you're comfortable with it, when the time is right, can I get Lisa's poetry and try to do something with it and try to look through it and see what's there and see if I can make anything of it. 
Um, and so he's like, oh yes, no problem, whatever. And um, the whole point of it is that this is all her work, all her poetry. It's 500 pages. <laughs> but I mean, I've just written the introduction. I've organized and synthesized right. it um, and indexed it and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's, it's her words and it's her work. Um, but all the proceeds after costs go back to the family to help pay off her medical bills. She had astronomical hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical bills um, because when she tried to commit suicide the first time they intubated her and it, it ruined her vocal cords. Um, so she had to have it, one of the, the trach... Um, Tracheotomy? Yeah. The, you know, it's the thing where she has to press it to speak. Right. Um, but yeah, she um, had that and that's when I met her. I met her through our church. Um, we go to Community Christian in um, Naperville. And um, yeah, I just... On Ogden? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yellow box. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so we met through there in a program called Alpha, which I now run for the church, which is a whole different story. Um, but yeah, so she came to faith, and even though she came to faith, and you can see that shift in her poetry. Right. Because um, she dated almost everything. Nearly 80% of her poems were dated, so it reads like a journal. And I kept those dates intact when I was trying to figure out the structure. Um, but she came to faith, and you can tell that the change in her poetry. But, the, you know, suicide still eventually took her for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have this for her, and I promote it. And it's National Poetry Month this month. And so oh, on, on Facebook and Instagram, I'm, um, like, releasing a, a poem each day with the artwork that's with it. She liked putting artwork with her photos. So I reached out to artists in the community and also... Um, all over the place to, you know, illustrate some of the poems. So it's a big collaborative effort. I enjoy promoting it because it's it's a great thing. And this is her artwork on the cover, which is why it's so bright and fun. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was it's a labor of love, and we'll see we'll see where it goes. Wonderful. Yeah. Tears for the butterfly. Yeah, that is a brand new book, and I don't have it with me because it is still not printed. It's it's done, but it is my second children's book. And that is um, done in collaboration with the art of a good friend of mine from high school. Her name is Kieran Sognito Wilson. Um, and that is a story about giving love and compassion and acceptance out into the world and the ripple effects that that cause, but also understanding and being able to embrace death when it happens because it is just part of life. So it's, it's a children's book, but it's just beautiful. The watercolor illustrations are fantastic. I wish I had that to, to show you today but that one that one's hopefully gonna come out this month i'm in the final stages with the publisher getting that one done and so that'll be out soon what's your writing process depends on what i'm writing okay <laughs> um for big books i start in the middle which is the weirdest thing um i start with one of the emotional arc parts of the book and then i create a starting points and i kind of map out basic basic points I want to hit um, but until I have the end of the book I can't actually start writing the book which is very weird um, so until I know how it's going to end and then I kind of weave it all together so it's I never do from start to finish except for children's books children's books I do from start to finish because it's a lot shorter <laughs> but I see okay yeah. all right so it depends on what you're writing mm -hmm. mm. I find a lot of elements in that answer that are similar to some that I've asked of artists and painters and things like that. You know, I ask them, like, what's your process? Yeah. Like, it depends on what I'm painting. Right, right. I draw. 
So, like, you know, my process depends on what I'm drawing. Like, depending on what it could be, I may need to be in a different place, different place of mind, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff, a different yep. environment, yep. you know, what have you. Well, it's a different inspiration. I mean, <clears throat> I'm working on a new romance trilogy, and that inspiration came from my experience in Mexico. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to take place in Mexico. So it's based on my experiences there, but then it's the what if we had done a different thing. So I kind of... Um, one of the main characters is essentially me at the beginning of the book, which is very intimidating to write about. Um, Why? It's just because it was a very weird, dark time in my life that I was going through a lot of um, transitional things. Um, my, my first marriage was ending. I was really having horrible behavior. And so it, it's stemming from that. But then the what if we had done this? Because when I was down there, this woman and uh, woman, another student who was there with me, we were living in the same house. We would walk past this abandoned, rundown hotel every single day on our way to class. And we started, like, you know, checking it out. And we're like, oh, we should buy it. We should get it. We should make that into a bed and breakfast. And we should make, we should move here and do this. And, you know, we never did. We, come, we came back. Life took over. But it, this, that trilogy is the what if we had done that? Mm -hmm. And, then it, and it, then it explodes into adventures and romance and, and life uh, decisions. And there's some mafia elements in it so that one's kind of in it's an interesting departure but like my third book takes place in paris that's taking place in mexico i don't know i like i like to keep it abroad so. now when you do write um so you so the writing process that you have depends on what you're writing yeah is there or has there been a typical spot even a do you got a favorite desk yeah well, I have a big desk in my office, and that's where I do the nitty-gritty, here, I'm going to go at it. Okay. Um, but my favorite spot to get inspiration and to write is our back deck at our house. Okay. Especially in the warmer months, because right now it's a little frigid. But um, in the warmer months, I just go out there with my coffee, sit with... I handwrite to start when I'm doing novels. I don't... It's, it's so inefficient, but it feels good. Um, so I handwrite, and I just sit there, and I, I just go... Yeah, stream of consciousness almost. And then when I go back and type it all in, that's when I start to formulate it and start to move it around. But I, I just, I write when the iron strikes. I do a lot of my notepad on my phone. Mm -hmm. Just wherever, wherever it strikes me. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now, what do you want readers to take away from your work? Yeah, again, I mean, it's, it really depends on what it is. Um, but for, for um, this romance, my romance trilogy, um, the thing to take away is that no matter how dark your life gets, it creates who you are and it, it makes you into the person that you need to be. And that's kind of um, how, how my life has reflected that too. So um, is mine. Yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. Until you've gone to the darkest part of who you could possibly be, it's challenging to see how, who's, what's the best part you can be. Um, not that you can't do it, but, um, but like some of my characters <laughs> go through really, really dark stuff, but I mean, ultimately they do come out better for it. And they have to learn to appreciate that. So that's kind of where the novels come out. And even in the new trilogy, that's probably one of the underlying themes. Um, for the kids' books, I want kids to um, learn some great values. Um, like, this, uh, this one's about kindness. The other one's about love and compassion. Um, but I also want parents to not be like, oh, God, we really have to read that again. Right. You know, because I want, because I'm a, I'm a parent of five-year-old twins, I have to read what they're reading because I'm reading it to them. If it's just awful, I don't want to sit there and do it, even if it's their favorite book. I, I will, but right. it's just like, ugh, not that one again. Really, do we have to do that? 
Um, but this one, I feel like it's accessible for parents, it's accessible for kids, um, and that's kind of my goal. I mean, it depends on which kind of kids book I'm writing. I just wrote a funny one that my son inspired. Um, he wanted a Hickory Dickory Dock, but monster themed. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've written it and I've laid it out. I'm just searching for the right artist, illustrator for it. Um, but... Yeah, that one's super funny. Like, one of the monsters just farts all over everybody. I mean, it, it's funny. That one doesn't have any life lessons, really. <laughs> but my first two do. <laughs> so, it's really, it's fun to diversify, I think. All right, and you got a children's book there, which is Bartleby. Yeah. Hold that up. Yeah, this is Bartleby the Brave. This has been out since January. So, and the um, artist is a man, Ronald Botts. He's in um, Round Rock, Texas. That's near Austin. And I found him when I was asking for art for this book. He submitted some art for that, and then I asked him, I love, I'm like, I love your birds. Would you want to do a children's book? And he's like, sure. So, yeah, so this is Bartleby, and this is a story about um, compassion, kindness, and bravery in the face of um, situations where you really um, might not want to help somebody. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, the essential thing um, is that... Bartleby is this tiny little sparrow, and he just wants to watch, like, the bird cup games. And it's it's inspired by the fact that when you're driving along a highway, birds dive bomb your windshield. I know everyone's uh, had that experience. Mm -hmm. You're like, why? You have the entire sky to use. Why do you dive bomb my windshield and almost, you know, get hit? So I turned it into this bird cup game where that's a competition the birds have at a certain time in the woods. So... Um, but then it turned into this story about kindness, because there's some uh, mean cardinals that take his spot, and they're so mean to him, and they're like, no, get away from us, little bird. Um, but he, and then one of the cardinals gets into trouble, and then Bartleby doesn't even think about helping him. And he's this little dude, big cardinal, and there's a giant semi-truck coming at him. Um, but he doesn't think, he, and he just goes and um, saves that bird, and um, the rewards are immeasurable, just for, you know, his self-presence and just knowing that being kind is more important than getting back at somebody. Right. So that's the kind of lesson that goes into that. And I also have it in Spanish, too. So. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. What is rock bottom? And what does it look like? Oh, it's scary. It's lonely. Um, it's For me, it was rock bottom. Um, was complete disregard for what was best for me. And complete... Um, embrace the, the complete embracing of everything that I knew was completely wrong and the shoving away of everything that was good. Um, for me it was um, a really horrible pit of sexual depravity um, and it got really really bad and I don't unless you want to go get the gory details I, I don't really need to share them but um, it was it was hating on myself because of something I'd done in the past and it was self-punishment and letting myself get into an emotionally and mentally abusive relationship. And that's part of Texas and right. why I don't like Texas. But, um, yeah, so for me it was just the absence of, of hope. Yeah. Um, do you think most people who are going through a bad time, do you think that it's, well, maybe not mandatory is the right word, but do you think that most people will have to get to rock bottom first? and then bounce back? Or is there a, even a, a shred of hope that the, uh, the turnaround can happen before a person hits the actual rock bottom? Ideally, there, there could be a turnaround. It's, it's, being, it's being willing to seek out help 
I think. Um, I was not willing to seek out help. I thought I had to do everything on my own. And so personally, I had to hit rock bottom um, to get past my ego, to get past um, me thinking that I was all powerful, I guess. Um, but no, but I really wish and hope and there is a way for people not to go there. Right. <laughs> and that's ideal. Right. Um, for me, I'm a, I'm a quite dramatic person. And so I kind of needed the dramatic swaths of bad things kind of just washing over me for me to wake up um, personally. And I'm glad I went through it. I have no regrets simply because it's made me who I am. Right. But that, and that's where everybody can go. It's if you can get out of it without hitting that rock bottom and losing everything, do it. Ask for help, whether that's your family, whether that's your friends, whether if that's a church, whether that's, you know, anything. Just try to figure out, be humble enough to know that you can't do it on your own and ask for help. Yeah. What's the difference between romance and love? <sighs> yeah, romance is, is all the flutters. Romance is the what... And it's all it's different from lust and it's different from sex. Like there's all a bunch of different things. But love is deep, it's seated, it's peaceful, it's comforting, it's home. And I finally found that, you know, with my husband, but it's like I struggled for years thinking I knew love and I didn't. But romance is the, is that drive, it's that flutter, it's the, the things that you feel. It's the visceral um things, but it's also being treated like you're special. So it can go on both sides of that. Hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah. And they, they don't have to be separate, but, but they are. So Right. Okay. Yeah. So two different, they are two different distinct things. Mm -hmm. um, now let's talk in death we part. Yeah. So that one. Wow. Yeah. All right. So let me see here. Let me just take a look at the title. I, I, I'm looking at the artwork too, and it's like, we've got what looks like a city girl who met or absconded to the country and she meets Clint Eastwood <laughs> in Unforgiven right there. And <laughs> <laughs> um, Death We Part. Mm -hmm. A tragic ending? You, this one is a tragic ending, but then it leads into the next one. So. All right. I used to read romance novels. Strangely enough, I was once in a place where the only books that they had were romance novels and Reader's Digest. It's all good. There's yeah, some good stuff it had to be, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is Brianna. She's 17 at the beginning of the book, and she's from Chicago, which is the cityscape mm -hmm. that's upside down. My, my kids think it's New York because they think every city's New York. Um, they're weird. Um, but yeah, so her world gets flipped upside down, so that's the symb symbolism of that. Okay. Because she, her parents die from a car accident, and she gets shipped off to New Mexico, which is the, this is the Sangre de Cristos Mountains. Right. Um, in New Mexico. Um, and so her world completely gets flipped, and she's thrust in this world. That's why she doesn't look super happy, because she's recovering from loss. Um, but then, yeah, Matt Brennan, the cowboy character who was inspired from the guy in high school, he's um, the cowboy on the cover, but there's also another um, Chicago native who's another romance interest. So there, at one point there becomes a romance uh, or a love triangle kind of deal. But, um, yeah, this is her picking up the pieces of her life after it was kind of destroyed by a drunk driver. So, mm. yeah. And the 
so what comes after that is running in the mists yep, correct running in the mist wonderful there's that one um and it follows brianna um because after the tragic ending of this one it um helps her she it's going through her picking up the pieces she's back in chicago um this forest that she's running through is actually based on geneva so again river um fox river valley um she gets to go to geneva in the book um which is neat um, but then it's also northwest, um, or not northwest, I'm sorry, uh, the Northwoods, so the, uh, the upper peninsula of Michigan, um, where I, my parent, my grandparents had a lake cottage, and I set some scenes up there. Um, but yeah, it's just her picking up the pieces of yet another tragedy and trying to be okay with being happy. Um, she wants to be happy. She has a, a path toward happiness, but she's scared to go there because does that mean she forgets what she's been through? So it's kind of that internal struggle. Nice. Yeah. And then we have Awake in Elysian Fields, yeah. the title that stood out the most to me when doing my homework. Yeah. Um, so this is the same family, but Elise is the character on the cover, and she is mentioned in, in Death We Part. She is becomes a character as a child in Running in the Mist, and then this is 10 years later when she's 20. Um, and she, uh, basic story is when she was five, six, seven, um, her mother was killed, um, and her father was abusive and made her steal, and that kind of thing, and the father is related in the other books to some of the characters, and um, Brianna, from the first few books, she ends up adopting Elise, and so Elise has grown up there, but Elise's mother was from Paris, um, hence the Parisian elements, mm -hmm. um, and she has a chance to go there to study abroad at an art scholarship. And she takes it, but she all she has is a photograph of her mother from her mother's youth of singing in a nightclub, but she knows it's somewhere in Paris. Um, and in Pigalle, which is a neighborhood in the north side of Paris. Um, but that's all she has. So she's going there, and she just wants to find out more about her mother. Um, but what, as she uncovers things and as she finds out things about it, one of the questions in her head is, why was she with my father? My father was horrible. And her father's in prison. You know, and... But, like, why was she with him? And then that whole story comes out. And it's and it find, turns out it's related to the sex trafficking trade. The And there's a huge underbelly of that in Parisian society that nobody really wants to talk about. Um, but, yeah, it, it turns out that it's related to that. And that gets pretty dark um, in the book. Um, but she meets, uh, again, an artist. I love writing about artists. Mm -hmm. So it's fun. Um, and they kind of find out more about her mother and uncover different parts of her past and so it's it's about Elise learning about her mother coming to grips with the past that that was but also finding her own future uh-huh so, I can dig it I yeah. can dig it and the Art de Triomphe on the cover is pretty significant um because it just and the Champs-Élysées um the Elysian <laughs> Fields is a place where heroes go after they've fought a long and hard battle to enjoy the spoils and so, and that kind of um, is metaphorically linked to what the character goes through in the book. So how can people find out more about you and uh, your work? Yeah, I mean, the best place to go that has all my links and all my socials is my website. It's uh, victoriajhyla.com, so victoriajhyla.com. Um, on there, it has all the links to all my books and all my socials. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I've even tried TikTok, even though people tell me I'm, I'm too old for TikTok. It's still hilarious. Um, Are you good at it? No, but all right, good. I have Me neither. Fun. I was going to say, 
I was gonna say, girl, if you better than me on TikTok, yeah. I'm not good at it, but my son is. Yeah. Again, the five year old, he likes to tell these epic monster stories. Right. And so I let him do a three parter on TikTok. And he knew the structure. He's like, and stay tuned for more in part two. And like, like wow, dude. Kids are beating He wants to be TikTok. a game show host, so I'm just going to just roll with it. My son wants to be a YouTuber. Yeah. So, yeah. YouTuber, yeah. gamer, or game show host, or a wrestler. That's, a, that's his aspiration. It feels good now, though. I have to say, this is a partial segue before, you know, before we get to the ending. But, like, it feels good, like, that our kids, you know, my son said he wants to be a YouTuber. That's not outlandish now. No, it isn't. It's not. It's not. That is not something that... you. If you're a parent and your kid says that, you should not put... Don't don't tamp that fire out, right? My dad, you know, you got to be a carpenter. You got to be a construction worker. You got to get a job job. Yeah. Like, it feels really good that mm-hmm. now in this world, the most outlandish things a kid can come up with are no longer... Outlandish. Yeah. That's not unachievable now. Yeah, I constantly take videos of him doing really bizarre and cute stories just because they're hilarious. He wants to write a zombie musical, and I think Word. he will someday. <laughs> he has songs. All right. So, um, so we, we know where you are on social. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we've got Tears for the Butterflies coming up, mm-hmm. right? Okay, yeah. still. Um, when that debuts or something, can you let us Absolutely. know? Yeah. All right. And think about a part two. Mm-hmm. Maybe come back and do the news with us one yeah, more Yeah, I'd or love something. to. That would be fantastic. Okay. Because yeah. you tune into the news, and oh, we yeah. appreciate that so much. So, yeah, we have fun in the morning times. It's, it's good. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, got some, I got some things to shout out to. You know, I got awesome. local business. <laughs> good, yes. All right. Um, so the show ends on a positive note. Mm-hmm. What's your message today for the people of Aurora? Um, I love Aurora, so I just want Aurora to continue to be strong, to be proud of who you are and what we can bring to this table. Aurora gets kind of a weird rap from other communities. I've seen it. I've been part of it, you know, um, and Elgin gets bad rap, bad rap too, but like Aurora, because I've lived in this area for so long, I've seen the awesomeness that can come out of it. My husband's lived here since he was eight, like in actually Aurora, east side, west side, all over the place. Um, and he's just seen the changes too, but I just think Aurora, be diverse, be strong, be proud, Right. you know, embrace who you are and don't take any of the, the guff from anybody because, you know, we're a great town. We really are. So. We appreciate your time yeah. coming on to the show. This was a good episode. This was really good. Thank you. Got to learn. And, uh, I'm going to take you up on autographing those. Yeah. <laughs> we'd like to make a reel or something like that. IG. <laughs> All right, all of you guys out there, please, please, please check out wonderful author Victoria Hyla Malinado yep. and all of her work, including the Hearts Drawn Wild Trilogy. Yep. Very good stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace.